You're tuning in with your host, Jesse Elliott, to Old Soul in a Young World. Tune in. Tune in. Tune in. We're here to chop it up about the reality of life of being an old soul. Come in and find yourself. Internal wealth. Tune in to old soul in a young world. Old souls, young souls, and all my damn souls in between. Welcome back to another week of Old Soul in the Young World with your host, Jesse Ellie. Hey! It did not explode on the table this week. It happened the last two weeks. You know, a little bit on my hand, but we Gucci. <laughs> I'm about to fill my guest cup real quick. We got a very special guest in the studio, Mr. Dev Alexander, CEO, co-founder of Rolling Relief. What's good? We're excited. We are very excited on Old Soul Young World. I have been um, pestering Dev to come on for a couple months now, ever since Boston Canvas Week. Shout out Lisa Finelli um, and everyone involved in Boston Canvas Week. But that's kind of where we came across each other at a dope social media event that Lisa held at... I don't, I forget what it was called. The smoke shop, an assembly smoke room. Smoke shop. Yeah. Their food was good. Yeah, no. You had some? Oh my God, yeah, no. I'm so a big much. barbecue fan. Hey. And it was dope um, just to be able to meet everybody. That was like my first in-person event, you know, this year. And yeah. we're actually, we were one of the scholarship recipients to Boston Cannabis Week. So that's what we were Ooh! there for. I wanted to ask you about that as well, but um, it's such a come up. Such a huge thing that you're doing in the Boston community, in the local community in general, um, because as you know, if you've listened into my show, we've talked about cannabis multiple times. Um, I've had multiple advocates on the show who are involved in the cannabis community, and we're really just trying to get different people on different perspectives to break down for you guys to let you understand how much it's evolved. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a huge organization. It's it's come a long way. Crazy. It's so wild to think about um, everything's happened in the past five years and what can happen in the next five years. Right. Like, if you look back, it's like, and we talked about that, me and Lisa, actually. Like, we grew up remembering, yo, it, it was such a crime to have, like, a dime bag on you and, like, be rolling a blunt on, like, a Thursday afternoon. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, you're, you're, you're villainized for it. Yes, And yes. now you start to see billboards when you're down the highway and start to be... Very destigmatized, which is good. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, you know, I kind of just threw you out there, like co-founder, CEO of um, Rolling Relief. But what exactly is Rolling Relief for the people um, who, you know, need to get educated? Rolling Relief is a black-owned, social equity-certified marijuana delivery operator Woo! that is Preach. going to be... Wholesaling from the finest cultivators and product manufacturers, putting the weed on wheels and bringing it right to the consumer's door. Yo, did you have that written for today? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great pitch, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really excited about it. We're still going through the licensing process. It's a marathon, as those who have been uh, through it know. Mm -hmm. But we're just about halfway there, and we just got to keep on pushing. So this is a cannabis delivery service in the just Boston area is your goal or? Yeah, no, the greater Boston area, Okay, you know, the South Shore region, but mostly we want to place a heavy emphasis on Boston, you know, um, 
the name of the game with delivery is popula- population density. So you want to be serving those more populated areas for sure. Exactly, yeah. And then you have, like, you know, most of your business, like, Nas main drivers. You don't have to be spread out as much so you can, you know, That's capitalize the on exactly. the money. And- Route optimization is very big, which is why we're going right. to be using um, the service OnFleet to help us with that as well. You so know, there's a lot of moving that? pieces. Well, OnFleet, they've been doing delivery before. Obviously, cannabis was legalized, and it really just helps optimize our routes so we're not pinballing ourselves across the state. You want to do, like, one clean, efficient circle. You know, it all has to make sense. So they, like, kind of plan routes for you? Exactly. And they text the consumer when we're, like, 10, 15 minutes away. Wow. And it's really user-friendly, yeah. It's it's been a great tool. And they give discounts to equity applicants. So um, the people from Onfleet are really dope. Shout out to them. Hey. And this is, like you said, like, it's multiple pieces, um, blocks that build this puzzle and that, you know, build this empire because it's, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a day. Like you said, like things change in five years. Like um, I'm sure five years ago, I don't know, actually five years ago, was Rolling Relief in your mind? Was that a thing? When was Rolling Relief like a baby thought in your mind? <laughs> well, just to ask you five questions, your first question, uh, five years ago, I was working at CVS in the pharmacy as a pharmacy technician, making $11 an hour um, in my local community in the South Shore down in Braintree. Mm-hmm. I was getting yelled at every day, you know, for stuff that wasn't my fault. Fuck that. Um, I was on my feet all day. Um, it was just really nasty because you just get a firsthand look on how the American healthcare system can really be. You're dealing with people's money and their, their health. But, you know, working there as a pharmacy technician, helped me transition really well to my next job, which was a bud tender. So once I left CVS... That's became, a very smooth transition yeah, right there. Oh, yeah. my God. It was very crazy. Very similar. But I knew exactly. I knew I wanted to work with weed once, you know, uh, medical came about. Um, I just wasn't passionate about working in a pharmacy and dealing with those products and those cu- uh, customer base. So... I remember I had to take a test to get nationally certified as a pharmacy tech, and I studied and everything. I went to go take it, and CVS is a retail pharmacy. Everything that was on the test had stuff to do with, like, a hospital pharmacy. So I was like, so I failed that, you know? And that's literally... Right I feel like that's a trick in the system. Like, mm. they don't want you to win. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> it's crazy. And I decided right then and there, I'm going to break into cannabis. I started taking online classes to tailor make my resume more attractive. And I started going around to conventions across New England, you know, out in Providence, up in Portland, Maine. And right here in Boston, I was just myself walking around with my resume, just trying to meet people, just trying to make my face known, trying to say, hey, I have very relatable skill sets that can transition very well to cannabis. Right. And, you know, one day I was at uh, CVS counting up some pills and they messaged me. They're like, hey, we're hiring. And it was the one, I'm from Quincy, and there was okay. a dispensary right in Quincy too. So okay. it was dope. Wow. So they're like, hey, we're uh, hiring. Yo, Send sometimes when you hold on long enough, it's yeah, like meant to be. Exactly. Because yeah. there were some places I applied to that were like way farther away, but I I just was real to do whatever it took just to get my foot in the door. Yeah. And so thankfully I ended up in my hometown, which is a 10 minute drive from my house. And so <laughs> I started off as a bud tender there, um, worked my way up to director of community outreach. Once I gained that position, I was doing community cleanups around Quincy, you know, doing fundraisers for the homeless shelter, for the animal shelter, you know, food drives. And back in um, September of 2019, I hosted the city of Quincy's first expungement clinic where I gave individuals the tools and the resources to remove nonviolent cannabis crimes from their criminal record. Oh, my gosh. Yo, 
we got a living legend on the show tonight. <laughs> Yo, that is so dope, though, because I think that's the thing that people twist about cannabis and in the industry. You can use it as much to give back as you can for medical use, as you can for personal use. Like, you can circle that right back, filter right back into your community. And you can do it in different ways. Like, th that's mad creative. Oh, yeah. Car cleanups, like, getting people involved, showing them that it's not a criminal act yeah. anymore. Like and It was really dope, you know, giving back to my home city while getting paid by a cannabis company. It was oh, just my like, gosh, what it was a, a dream, win. It was a dream come true, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, Things started getting crazy. So that was back in September 2019. Okay. And, you know, and then the vape ban happened. If you, you guys remember that, you oh, know, yes, people the, were smoking those vitamin T acetate bans. Yeah. And so most of our um, inventory was vapes. And so because we couldn't sell them, you know, sales declined. And right. we had to lay some people off. People got their schedules reduced. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of... Like, Were you into the vaping? The vape, not like, really, personally, scene? not really. Me neither. No, yeah. I, I, I like to dab mostly. I like to okay. use, I like to do like the Puffco Peak or cool. Good Old Flower. But you know, it was a blessing in disguise because at the same time the vape ban happened, um, the social equity program was just beginning. So I had time to go to work and go take classes because they would be at night. Okay, and um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit up in the cannabis terms and all that, but you know, I'm still working my way, and I'm sure people listening in are trying to figure out their way and educate themselves. What was that? A social equity class? Social equity program. Program. So Massachusetts is the first state to implement a statewide equity program. So mm -hmm. in California. They do a city by city. So Los Angeles' equity program is different from Sacramento's program, and that's different from Oakland's program. Based you know? on, like, laws and regulations? Based and on demographics and everything else. Yeah, and it's really equity programs across the country, you know, their whole purpose is to help create an equal level playing field because you know, when it comes to the war on drugs, African Americans were more marginalized than their Caucasian counterparts. Right. So they really want to put an emphasis on giving back to those disproportionately impacted areas so Massachusetts started the initial first cohort back in October 2019. You know, the vape ban happened September 2019. Mm -hmm. So it was dope. You know, um, I literally just did the expungement clinic, and that was my claim to fame at that point in time. Like, I'm expungement guy. That's what I do. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I'm the expungement yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that, was that was my pillar in the industry. I say everybody has a specialty. There's different yeah. subgenres. Like, expungement was my thing yes. before I even took an equity class. And then it was really cool because the equity program is free. It's put on by the state. You don't pay them a cent. And they, wow. um, we were taking classes in person. So our first class was at the State House. Our next class was at Suffolk University. The next class after that was at Bunker Hill Community College. Wow. And it was crazy because it was the first cohort still. So a lot of people that I was taking classes with were people that I would see on TV and read about in the paper. And now <laughs> I'm getting to sit next to them and talk to them, hey. become friends with them, you know, network. I think that was like really the one, of the better one of the better things of the equity program was getting that camaraderie with uh, the fellow entrepreneurs. Right. But then obviously COVID happens and then everything had to go to um, virtually. <sighs> right. Yeah. And then we're just coming back from that in a way. You know what I mean? Because... COVID is still kind of there, but it's like the cannabis business now, like you said, you went to your first in-person event. Um, we're starting to come back into the community. We can start doing events again. We can start getting things finalized, legalized, all that. Um, but it's really amazing, like honestly, the things that you've contributed already. And I just want to bring it back to like inspungement um, for people who don't understand how crucial it is for for the fact that we have people who are still in jail today for cannabis or are um, still criminalized today, can't do things because of their past history record of cannabis when it's now legal. 
How does that make sense? Make it make sense. Somebody, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's the point that Dev is making. Like it is huge in the community. It change the systematic errors that we have put around cannabis. It's not a drug. It's a medicine. Um, and I think it's just like when you build habits for so long, generationally and in the, the nation and in people's mind and through, you know, demographic just everything like when you start building those habits it's hard to break them so right now what we're trying to do is backtrack and take those habits back and show people what it's really about and what it can do and giving back to the community is a huge huge thing um and i just want to thank you personally myself because you give us a good name you know we don't have to be lazy stoners anymore we're productive stoners you feel me exactly exactly and that's really <laughs> what i'm about to prove <laughs> i just went off but um anyways <laughs> I know that you also have mentioned that um, Rolling Relief is a black owned um, and started business. And, you know, just in general, I mean, I've kind of said it on my past episodes and I can, you know, briefly say it again. But what actually got you involved in cannabis or using cannabis um, or how do you use it to support yourself, like medically or personally or or however? What's your preference, yo? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was already predetermined before I even came out the womb. I was going to be with with, uh, cannabis. Both of my parents consumed cannabis and both of my grandparents consumed cannabis as well. So it was never seen as a bad thing in my family. Mm. I knew what it was before I knew what it actually was. Mm -hmm. You know, just by the smell of it, I knew something was up. So I had a strong love weed before I started calling it cannabis you yeah. know um, <laughs> since I was like eight and nine years old I just knew I knew I, and I would watch how high with Method Man and Red Man I'd watch Half Baked with Dave Chappelle it was in the culture yeah. I was and I was heavy into it you know I was bumping Ludacris Chicken and Bear I was in like fifth grade I grew my hair out got cornrows just because Ludacris did it I wanted to be like Ludacris so bad like blueberry yum yum give me a picture of you cornrows I'll pop it right here on the YouTube video like exclusive yeah like you never seen before oh my god yeah I'll never have long hair again but I was really just really just loved weed even before a cannabis control commission existed even before a lot of things, you know, I just had a strong love for the plant from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Never in a million years did I ever think I could make a career out of it. Um, Such a come <laughs> yeah, up. It's, it's, it's huge. I think it really was drives me even more because I'm actually passionate about it and I respect it and everything that is it's given me a platform. Yeah. You know, like five years ago, nobody gave a damn what I had to say. They didn't care. You exactly. Know? When um, I was a senior in high school, I got arrested for minor possession of cannabis, and that derailed my plans going into the Air Force. And so I really had to think on my feet. And I ended up going to Quincy College, getting an associate's degree in psychology, realized I don't want to go to school anymore. (laughs) After those two years, I was like, like, things change. uh, You asked myself your question, like, how passionate are you about psychology? Now, you want to commit all this time and money and then spend all this extra years dealing with other people's problems, basically. Exactly. <laughs> and then that's when I looked on snagajob.com and found the CVS job. And so that's really the timeline from finding it, going from Quincy College, snagajob, CVS, dispensary, uh-huh. and leaving the dispensary and starting Roll and Relief. Facts. Yeah. So and- it's crazy because I'm sorry to cut you off. No, please. Like when I, en- when I entered the cannabis space, I had no intentions of ever being an owner whatsoever. I was very content with just being a bud tender, I thought I made it. It's like I, I get to come to work and sell weed every day. This is perfect. It's like what, what else could you want? You know. <laughs> but then you start to realize the people running the show don't really know what they're doing. They're not really as passionate about you. And then you start to think to yourself, 
can I do this myself? And you know, it really took the people close to me to help instill that confidence, like my mom and my close friends. They're like, Dave, you got this. You know what you're doing. You're passionate. Why don't you go after it? Right. Here we are. <laughs> right. And I, and I can tell by the way you talk that, like, getting into the cannabis industry, it's not just like, oh, I smoke, so I'm going to make a business. It's like, I can tell you're studied, you're educated, like you're well-versed. You know what you're talking about when you talk about the laws and legalization or, you know, all that. So I think it's important for anybody who's trying to get into this industry or is interested in it, make sure you're doing your research. Make sure you're updated on on what's going on in your community um, and, and what's to come because it, it's moving quickly. Like he said, like things are changing. You don't know what's going to happen in two years five years you can try to plan your whole life out it's it doesn't always happen that way that's not always how the cards fall um so i think it's super dope when you can pick the cards back up and 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 just change the deck you know what i'm saying like just change your move and and make it work for you um and having that passion and, and building something out of what you care about is important like anybody listening in you're important if you have a dream you can do it um don't forget that and we're just two examples of people who are trying to do the same thing you know what i mean anyone can call you crazy anyone can put you down at your nine to five job that you're making $11 at. Um, but when you want to take that seed that you have planted in your mind and, and grow that tree and finally start, you know, watering your ideas and caring about, um, you know, what you're going to do with your life because we have one life to live. So I just think it's super dope even having you on to talk about this. Um, I go on my little rant, so don't mind me, but you're, you're just, you're a very inspiring and motivating person. And oh, like, I, I feel it. like, especially for a lot of young um, black men, like that, that's such a, a key factor, seeing somebody who like, I don't know what you've come from. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your history is or, or your traumas, um, but you've pushed through that to still try to create a business as a young black man. Um, so just much respect to you. I appreciate oh, that. No, yeah. I- <laughs> I just, you know, I just had to give you that light, that little shot real quick. Um, but I, so I was trying to understand and I was asking you before the show, I'm like, okay, so it's not like a physical building right now. You're in the the making of getting a, I don't even know what's called. A provisional license. Thank you. A provisional license. Um, so it's not a physical app that I could download on my phone yet. Correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Could you kind of explain to the people what process you're in right now? Like, how are you working towards building this app? Because when I first met you, I was like, oh, I can just go download it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, it's not that easy because it wasn't even a thing. Yeah. That's not even a legal thing yet. Like, exactly. No, to, to start out, you know, while we're still in the first couple of years of the company, we're going to be partnering with other third-party technology platforms, um, Weed Maps being one of them. Leafly being another, and uh, Lantern being another one too. Lantern. I've never heard of Lantern. Lantern's specific to Boston, and they're um, they're the sister company of the alcohol delivery app Drizzly. So Drizzly was started here in Boston by two BC kids who wanted alcohol delivered to their dorm rooms. We know what's up over here, guys. (laughs) So a couple years ago, when I was doing my networking, I was out in an event. Um, to get people to come to Expungement Day, actually. Mm-hmm. So I was out networking, and I met the co-founder of Drizzly, Justin Robinson. And Justin knew that um, I was in the social equity program, okay. and he knew delivery set aside for equity applicants. So he would um, hit me up. You know, we talked, and then he would continue to hit me up. It was like, hey, we're going to start a whole new company. We're going to do this incubator program. I think you'd be a great fit. 
yada, yada, yada. And I just kept brushing them off. I didn't think anything. I didn't know what Drizzly was yeah. at that point in time. Yeah. I'm like, whatever, like, man. Bro, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so he kept hitting me up, hitting up a mutual friends of ours. I'd go to the events and be like, Justin's been trying to, been talking to me about you, man. He's trying to get in touch with you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah I know, yeah. And so... <laughs> Um, COVID happens, Drizzly blows up 500,000%. They become the Amazon of alcohol e-commerce. What? And then that's when they create their sister company, Lantern. Lantern is the cannabis equivalent of Drizzly on demand cannabis delivery. But they can only partner with medical dispensaries because only they could run delivery operations. So that's why they're like, okay, they came up with an incubator program that only social equity people can apply to because only social equity people can go out for the licenses. So myself and 100 other people applied for it and myself and three other people got accepted. This is June 2020. You have to have qualifications to get accepted. Like, yeah, no, they do. That's a, whole, a like, lot of people they, they and you did. got accepted. Yeah, no, yeah. they've seen what I did in the community. They've seen how far I've come. They've oh, seen okay. I completed the social equity program. I they've seen you. like, okay, this is yeah, this, kid's a, this, kid, this kid's a rising star. Let's get behind them, yep. you know. And yep. so I did the interviews and we got in. And with, I'd say the number one benefit of getting into that program was they hooked us up with an attorney pro bono. Wow, yeah. that is no joke right there. Mm-hmm. So you got an attorney right now? Uh, yeah, I got a whole, I got the Sente Cedarberg Law Firm working pro bono. Thanks <laughs> he to can Lantern. say whatever he wants <laughs> tonight. Yeah. You heard, you heard. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We got a whole team of lawyers and they've just been great to work with. I wow, don't even want to think amazing. of where I'd be in the process without them. Yeah. And big shout out to Lantern. Um, they're expanding across the country. I know they're going to roll out a similar program down in New Jersey very soon. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, it's it's just so dope to see, like, all these things coming about. Because before this Boston Canvas Week event this year, like, you know, I know things had been going on. But because of COVID and because of everyone kind of, like, working on the DL and all that, like, I wasn't exposed to how much, like, I'm having dinner at Mary's. Come on. Did you meet dinner at Mary's? Oh, yeah. Like, infused Sam, cannabis Sam, packages? Sam Canter. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, there's so many amazing people who are just coming out and, and, and sponsoring these small businesses that are startups that are one day going to grow into large, large um, communities and movements, which is just super crazy to even think about. It is. Yeah. And it's the beginning of a movement, and I'm just very excited to be part of it. Right. Mm. I'm excited to be part of it. I'm excited to even have you here. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and so when could people possibly expect to even see, like, an app? Is that even a thing in the making right now? No, it won't be a legit roll and relief app. Yeah, people will most likely download a Weed Maps app, and then they'll go and be able to search roll and relief through Weed Maps. Okay. Weed Maps also has their own version of a social equity program, which I also got accepted into. And so, wow. <laughs> and yeah, Weed Maps is going to give us a free listing for a few years once we become operational. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So operational status is in the process. Oh yeah. It's a couple of years out. That's the million dollar question. Yeah. We're very hopeful. Just next year. Well, so you know, can, we formed the LLC back. That's in, what we were talking about. Back yeah. in okay. So we formed the LLC back in May of 2020, but the application for our license type didn't come out till May 2021. A whole year. We had to fight for that license to create that. <laughs> So you just have to like wait on it and fight for it. Yeah, I was a full-fledged activist. Wow. (laughs) And how do you even, so who are you even fighting against though? I mean, the government? Is this like... The powers that be. No, so the the original, (laughs) the the Cannabis Control Commission wanted to create a license type that had a low barrier of entry to cost. So what they came out with at the time, it was called the delivery only license. So... 
that license type made it so you would have to have a location, you would have to contract with an adult use dispensary, take on all their products already prepackaged, and everything they didn't sell at the end of the day, you'd have to return to that store. You're basically glorified Uber Eats. Okay. So on top of that, you have to have two drivers in the vans at all times of this product. You have to have two body cameras, one on each driver, two additional cameras, one on the front, one on the back, and then two additional saves, one for cash, one for product. In addition to that, all cannabis businesses, regardless of the license type, have to pay what's called, they have to do what's called a host community agreement, okay. where they pay 3% of the annual gross sales, not net gross. What? Yeah. Yo, these are all the things that you don't hear about, guys. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't know this shit up front. You it's know? crazy. So there's no oversight of those agreements, uh-huh. so they're ripe for extortion. So what you'll see sometimes in some cities, like, if you want this agreement, I'm going to need so-and-so amount of cash here on the tennis nonprofit, buy us a new fire truck, build us a new playground. Even it got crazy in Fall River. You know, the mayor, ex-mayor Correa, he was extorting them for hundreds of thousands of dollars and 12 to 15 pounds of smokable flour. And he just Excuse got... Excuse me, can you yeah. spell that down? Can you repeat that, but like say it slow? Jaisel Correa, the ex-mayor of Fall River, a very <laughs> top 10 populated town, city in Massachusetts, was Name extorting dropping. cannabis companies that wanted to set up shop in Fall River to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars as well as 12 to 15 pounds of smokable cannabis flower. Yo, mind it's blown. Like Grand Theft Auto. That's and a he was, conspiracy. He's my like, age, too. Like, he was 27 what? years old. Like, he's a kid as the mayor of Fall River doing all that, living the Grand Theft Auto lifestyle. The feds, wow. fr- the feds eventually caught wind of it. Yeah. They arrested him at like, the country club early one morning. And uh, just recently, I say a month month maybe last month he got sentenced to six years in federal jail oh my god and he has to pay back those companies (laughs) so uh Massachusetts is crazy because they're the only state in the country that requires um these companies to get these host community agreements they give the municipality a lot of control so you have to really go through municipalities they operating in before you can get to the state level right so you'll see other states like Oklahoma for example if you have $5,000 in a heartbeat, you can get a canvas license in Oklahoma. That's all it takes. Just 5000 That's it. You don't need, you like, know, licensing no, or all, classes. That's all that. Or... Massachusetts. Why do you think we're so strict on that shit? Like, I don't... Mass, that's just how we have. We don't even have happy hour, you yeah. know? We're just yeah. very strict. It's especially something... We don't even have hookah clubs. Exactly. Like, what, what am I saying? No, like, obviously. Like, like imagine a cannabis cafe, what, in 90 years? That's, that's so crazy, too, because... <laughs> We're supposed to have those. That's the license type that doesn't get talked about too much. Like, the regulations for that exist. I've been wondering about that. But uh, a law needs to pass through the legislature first. Okay. And just like delivery, though, social consumption is set aside for equity applicants for the first three years. So only social equity applicants can open up social consumption lounges once that day comes. Um, really? There's only going to be in a few municipalities because, obviously, they have to test it out. Yeah. But if I had to put my money on where the first social consumption lounge would be in Massachusetts, I'd say Holyoke. Holyoke really? Holyoke? Holyoke's I don't really know why pro- I thought Cambridge in my head. Holyoke's why Holyoke? Re- they're really progressive. They okay. really know, like... Yo, I know nothing yeah, about Holyoke. Like, it's I a hole know, in the wall for me. I didn't know me, Holyoke like... before I started <laughs> focusing on the cannabis industry. But Holyoke, you can go and get a, like, a host community agreement the same day. Wow. It's so crazy. They just... Because they know... No other businesses really want to come set up shop, but mm-hmm. like they have old infrastructure and um, I'm sure they use like hydroelectricity. So their cultivators costs are very low to right. be out in Holyoke. Right. But yeah, social consumption, it's crazy, you know, because COVID, the two licenses that are set up for equity applicants got drastically affected by COVID, you know, delivery 
COVID drew an emphasis for delivery, mm-hmm. but it drew a decrease for social consumption. You know, you know, right. want, it increased one that's like, okay, delivery services are needed because of COVID. Social consumption is not really the, a big issue to us because of COVID. What, what, I don't understand. Why would social consumption go down? Because you're not gathering in person like that anymore. Oh, you're not I share. see what you're saying. Okay, you're I share. have misunderstood people, you. People barely share joints anymore because of yeah. COVID. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That makes complete saying. sense. And yeah. just the regulations they have in place for Massachusetts, it's just absurd. I don't think people are going to enjoy themselves. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny you said that because me and my best friend, shout out Ashley, um, you know, we burned together all the time during like COVID season, I guess you could call it. Like in... I guess we can get into this after, but like I smoke blondes and I know it's not good for you and I'm trying to switch off of it, um, but we'll like burn together. And during COVID, we were just rolling our own blunts like the whole like, I don't know how many months that was or whatever. It's been almost whatever. Well, we started smoking again together, but you know, <laughs> so I get what you're saying. That's that's crazy. Um, and, and that shows you guys, though, that there's so much behind the scenes, so many laws and things that we don't even know going on that um, people like Dev Alexander, who are trying to make a great mark in the community and build an amazing you know business and movement have to fight literally fight blood and teeth and nails just to get licenses or or you know whatever when we can go where's it tennessee nebraska where'd you just say oklahoma oklahoma they're all kind of the same right like them southern states like i don't know they kind of all just mixes like those squares on the map (laughs) the flyover states right (laughs) um so besides dabs is dabs the thing for you? It never used to always be. I was always flower number one until my tolerance got crazy. Okay. And so with dabs, um, less is more. Uh, okay. Just a little dab will do you. Yeah. You know. But, I remember my first dab. I was yeah. like on the floor. Oh, yo. my God. I was yeah. like in seventh grade. Yeah. Bef- I was. I started smoking very young. But, um, yeah. Thank God. Like, that's... Now that you have like dispensaries and the proper equipment to make dabs, people were making dabs very shadily and blowing themselves up before a lot of the equipment came to fruition. Yeah. So now um, it can be produced in a regulated, um, tested area, thank God. Okay. But, you know, da- I love dabs, but flower always be my number one. Always. Know, always. Love I know, my yeah, life. Exactly. <laughs> I feel that 100%. Um, and you know, I think that it's, it's up to the individual, like everyone's different. I don't know if you feel that way. Like oh my I'm God, sure. Yeah. I was working as a bud tender. I, I came to realize that very quickly. Oh, you true. Know, I what, forgot about the whole bud tender what, aspect. What, so what you met mad individuals. And oh, my, my prime, I was seeing about 50 medical patients a day individually and, you know, just talking them through what power can help them best with their debilitating conditions. You can I know. give you my debilitating condition and you can diagnose me <laughs> go ahead um extreme back and neck pain like could be arthritis at a young age crazy crazy um hurts all the time if i sleep the wrong way like i get the worst neck pain ever that gives me migraines and yeah that's about that's what i got for you and what's your preferred method of consumption smoking yeah, i recommend the heavy indica flower <laughs> hey, now we know <laughs> You heard if you have back problems, neck problems, heavy indica. Don't don't cheat yourself. Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I just want to shout out one more time Boston Canvas Week. I think it was a dope event. Um, I know you were involved in it pretty heavily. Uh, did you go? Were you like an everyday type person? I went to a few. I missed two days of it, but, events. you know, um, I was there for the golf tournament. I was there. How was that? It was, it was a blast. I didn't even golf. I don't golf. <laughs> I, I brought four people that like... I was like, like you don't a, take me as a golfer, no, but, like, maybe he does. I'm not going to judge blast. him. I was riding around a golf cart smoking weed all day. Hey, um, it was that a sounds dope, lit. It was a dope time. <laughs> 
Uh, Tuesday was the fashion show. Wednesday was a panel that I actually I spoke on, entrepreneurship panel. Um, Thursday was a mixer. I didn't go to that. Friday was the Weed Mask Block Party. Mm-hmm. Saturday was the Freddie Gibbs show. Woo-hoo. And then Sunday was like um, health and wellness and yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you spoke on a panel for the education? Yeah, it was called Emerging Entrepreneurs. Yeah. I spoke on that alongside uh, Marquise Neal of Lifted Smoking Goods, their mm-hmm. accessories, Vanessa Jean Baptiste of mm-hmm. Legal Greens, uh, the first adult-use black woman-owned cannabis dispensary in the Holy East Coast, and um, Ulysses Youngblood of Major Bloom, who also happens to be retail, and they're also going to be the first black-owned product manufacturer in Massachusetts. Yo, you so, think they won't come to the podcast, it was, though? Hey, only, <laughs> only one way to find out. You never know until you ask. You know. You're funny. Um, but that's a that's amazing. That's a huge come-up, especially for the black community, having so many entrepreneurs like on a panel and in Boston speaking and educating people. Um, and uh, shout-out... Lisa Finelli for putting that together and and highlighting these people and you won a sponsorship and award as well. We won the scholarship, the, yeah. Okay, the scholarship. scholarship from BCW. All of you? The four, the, no, it was just me, Marquise, and Vanessa. Okay, it was just three of us. And, and what does that like entail? Where does the scholarship come from? That's a good question. He's like, yo, yeah, I got yeah, surprised. No, I, got, I remember no, we talked briefly, and you were like, I didn't expect yeah, it. Yeah, no, I didn't know it existed. <laughs> and then um, Scott and Lisa emailed me one morning, and they were like, well. You have free access to every event we're throwing, um, table space, you know. You want to throw up tables at the Freddie Gibbs show, you can yeah. sell your merch, you know, yeah. hand out your stickers, speak on the panel, you know, the, um, free entry to the golf tournament. It was just, I'm really grateful for it. It was really a big boost to help our marketing, you know. Yes. Um, it helped really get, get us out there and, yeah. you know. Um, and that's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to push to a thousand Instagram followers before the new year. So yes. we're at uh, seven thirty right now. We're, yes, we're gonna yeah, get you there, yo. And and that's the thing too, also about like the cannabis industry and building a a new business. Like it's not just you know making the product. It's also being able to push the product and getting the consumers and getting people involved and in understanding what you're doing. Um, so it, it's huge. There's so many strides behind it. And, you know, I, I think anybody starting out, like you need to realize how many years and how many steps go into it. Like it's, it's not something you can rush. Like you can't just jump in. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you have any advice for the people, if anyone's trying to start something or build something, yeah, um, go at your own pace. Don't focus on what other people are doing. Don't compete with nobody. Exactly. And the only person you should be competing with is yourself and Self. trying to be better the next day. Also get an attorney and don't sign anything without don't sign anything without having your attorney look at it first. That's yes. a big, big thing. Key, you heard. <laughs> And it's not easy to get those things, guys. Like, but it, it, it all takes work. It all takes time. Um, you know, and I just compare it to like our podcast. Like we, you know, we started small and we built and we grew. We're in a new studio this week. I just want to shout out real quick um, a vibe podcast. I want to shout out JQ for being here tonight. Um, you know, Biz, Shot for Shot. Thank you for your production, editing, all that. But you know, it, it takes time and it takes growth to come up and, and, and build yourself. And you know, right now, like I feel like for myself, I'm at a promotional phase, like a sponsorship phase. Like I'm trying to get people invested in understanding. And I, I'm sure you understand that too. Like the sponsorship and all that is very important it's very key like um i don't even know i'm I'm trying to figure it out right now i don't even know how yeah. to figure it out. it's tough you know and um it's crazy you, you gotta get some mentors people that have been there 
you know, you gotta have. Wow, somebody a great said circle. that to me yesterday. <laughs> That's the back to back. I've heard the word mentor now yeah. that you said uh, that. I have, I have a few mentors actually, yeah. and they've been very helpful on this journey. That's still only halfway there. So um, shout out to people who are willing to share their knowledge with you without cost. You know, because a lot of snakes out there that are looking to take advantage of people, just looking 100%. to learn. A hundred percent. And you know that actually brings me. That brings me to a great point in the night in the show. Um, and I don't know if Dev was expecting this. He could have maybe never heard this before. I'm going to put him on the spot. Now he looks nervous. He's going to take a sip of his drink because he doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> Yo, I cracked myself up, I swear. Um, so, you know, old soul, young world listeners, JQ's dying because I, yo, are you guys laughing? Like, come on. All right. So anyways. Every week, we have been asking a certain question. I'm still putting together a mix of season one, so I'm hoping that's going to drop in the next couple of weeks, but I'm going to do a little compilation of this question so you guys can really see what Old Soul Young World is about. Um, but anyways, Dev Alexander. <laughs> so just a question that I asked my guests, and if you don't want to answer it, that's cool. I tell everybody you know, you can say, I don't give a fuck. I don't know. I'm not really sure what you're saying to me right now, Jesse. Um, but in yourself as Dev Alexander, growing up however you grew up, whatever person you may be, because like I said, I don't know where you came from. I don't know your past. I don't know your history. I don't know how you got to this amazing point where you're at, but shout out you because clearly you're a great soul. Um, but what do you feel like that it means, definition-wise, to be an old soul in the young world, uh, even if you yourself don't consider you an old soul in the young world? What do you kind of think that might mean? First thing that comes to mind. <laughs> or you can say, I don't want to answer. <laughs> Just having um, respect for people who came before you and really paying homage to things that are vintage. You know, um, my musical preference is 90s hip-hop, so I really listen to. So I consider myself an old soul in that aspect. I know a lot of that. You know, my, me and my mom are very close in age. She had me when she was 16. I was born in 93, so it was really all the music that I grew up listening to, you know. So it was really... Um, I definitely, and even just growing up, um, I was always the youngest amongst my friends. Like, all my friends were, like, five years older than me. So I grew, yeah, I grew up I grew up quick, and I was, people would definitely consider me an old soul in the young world. I even, I, I have to Google new slang these days. I'm not even 30 years old yet. And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really myself me doing I'm that. like, what the fuck's no cap me? <laughs> On some shit, though. Yo, that's facts. <laughs> And and you know what I'm saying, like guys, he gets it. He gets it. Um, it's it's weird when you kind of you feel that way and you grow up with all those old school mentalities, those old school ways. I listen to hip hop like Lauren Hill, Jill Scott, Erica Badu, and my girls growing up. Um, you know, so many different hip hop and, and R and B rappers that I would just vibe out with. Um, but my friends didn't like it. They they thought I was weird, and I also did spoken word poetry. I was like in the poetry club in high school. Uh, we went to MIT actually for like a competition oh, and shit. Dope. It was really dope. So. Been on Def Jam. Yo, I should have. <laughs> Yo, I would have killed it. Yo. Should we freestyle today? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Um, we do some freestyling now and then. But yeah, I just I just love spinning. I love talking shit. And I feel like when I was younger, it was kind of misinterpreted. Um, and when you have dreams like you, like people around you, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I've always kind of felt this way. Like 
I, people thought I was a little crazy. People thought like, I, I don't know. Like I was just a little out there. I always was like a dreamer, I guess you could say. Yeah. The outside where I definitely felt that way. Um, the people who are not close to me, you know, my support system believed in anything I ever wanted to do, but I know there's a lot of people who said I was crazy when I told them we were going to establish this new delivery license and they, mm. and they laughed at me and they said it would never happen. And they said, there's give up, it's a pipe dream, you mm -hmm. know? And that's what really motivates me. Like as soon as someone tells me I can't do something, that's all the fuel I need. Yo, <laughs> same, same. And, and you know, like just to relate to you again, it's like, I'll have people question me like, oh, well, why do you do the podcast? What do you get from the podcast? What do you mean? Like, look at the amazing, look back at all the episodes, look at the amazing people I've met, and the amazing people who've come on and been able to tell their story. You know what I'm saying? Um, spread the word about coming from whatever they came from and starting something out of nothing. Like, I, and, and I feel like that's what Rolling Relief is. Like, it sounds like to me, like you literally started out of nothing. Like a, I don't know, a dream, a, a thought. It's really just a Idea. This is what I call it. Yo, uh, can we call I'm that the episode title? Yeah, a high idea. Yeah, go I ahead. go on a high idea today. Idea. <laughs> you know, I really. I think you need to put, LLC I've, that. I've, <laughs> I really put a lot of time into thinking about the name because um, I really fell in love with it. Yeah. I do my best. I don't know what to love to me to do this, but I do my best thinking right in the morning, right around like five a.m. You know, that's it's quiet. It's very yeah. quiet. Everyone's asleep still. Yeah. And your, but your brain's racing. Like, have you ever woken up early and then fallen asleep quickly and you have, like, crazy dreams? Like, yeah. your brain, something yeah. about your brain at that specific point in time of the mm -hmm. day, it just makes it go crazy. And that's where I came up. I just woke up one day and I was just dead silent. It was just rolling relief. And I was like, I keep a notebook next to my bed and everything, too, because yeah. I write shit down. I won't remember it right away. So I just wake up, wrote it right down, and showed people. I didn't say it out loud for the longest time. I just showed people because I didn't want people to steal my idea. I was like, look at this. <laughs> look, 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 look at this. And Shut the notebook. We didn't, eventually, when we first started out, we didn't actually have plans of being all delivery. We wanted to be what's oh, called really? a micro-business. So roll and relief. You know, it's tight with delivery, but it's also quadruple, quadruple entendre. It's being rolling relief, like you're rolling it up, and you're rolling relief with the tires. You know, rolling relief, we're, we're going to make it a lifestyle. It's not just restricted to cannabis delivery. Yes. It's not just restricted to the cannabis industry. Like, mm -hmm. there's going to come a time in the near future where we have a rolling relief skateboarding team. You know, hey. we have sponsors, skaters, yeah. the competitions. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Rolling Relief Records will come a couple of years Yo! down the line and we're going to have all my Don't friends who are rap, you know. So really, we're trying to really make it a lifestyle, make the brand recognizable. Mm -hmm. um, once I start seeing people getting a tattooed on them, that's when I know it's getting out of control. Hey. And that's really like a goal. With the first person that gets Rolling Relief tattooed on them will be forever in my debt. <laughs> are you going to like give them a prize or something? Oh, I'll give them Because I might like prizes. hop in on this. Yeah. I don't know. No, yeah. JQ, I'll, you want to go in with me? You'll be taken, you'll be taken care of. <laughs> yeah, a little RR. Yeah, exactly. RR, <laughs> this. We got a new logo. With, um, I don't even have it on me right now. It's an R with some skates on it. That's dope. In the wind. But, yeah, you have some merch on yeah. Right now, actually, for anyone watching the video, I got some rolling relief papers. Yeah, uh, it says "ready, ready for, for relief. relief." I love that. Ready yeah. for relief. Ready for, <laughs> ready for relief. Born to roll. Those are the hashtags we're, we're running with. I got a high idea. Exactly. <laughs> high, that's a new one. You know, it was just a high idea, and I just woke up. So yeah, we wanted to. Originally, we were going to do what's called the micro business, and so mm -hmm. a micro business is an umbrella term for two licenses, okay. and so it's 
a cultivation and a product manufacturing license. And so it's the only license type that requires uh, Massachusetts residency. So you have to be a wow. Massachusetts resident for one whole year before you can apply for this license. They want to set aside for locals. And so it's very like yeah, exclusive. Mic- yeah. So like, the micro aspect the of it, um, the cultivation side, the cul- when it comes to cultivation in mass, they measure it by tiers. It is tier one through 11, okay. you know, and they measure them by square feet of canopy. So a tier one license is up to 5,000 square feet of canopy. And so when you have a micro, you can cultivate up to 5,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. You can also do product manufacturing, which would entail like a lab to make concentrates in a kitchen to make edibles and topicals, things like that. But can this be like out of house? Does it have to be like... It has to be at a certain facility. Okay, okay. And then you have to get a host community agreement and go through the community <laughs> outreach meetings and do all this stuff. That's, that's, that's why you don't see too many micro businesses in operation because right. um, it's, I mean, it's sad to say because like you get restricted by that license type. So mass has caps on their licenses, yeah. unlike other states, so they prevent the monopoly on the market. So if you want a dispensary, you can only get three dispensaries. If wow. you want a cultivation facility, you can only get three cultivation facilities. Stop it. If you want to do a product manufacturing, you only get three of them. But if you want to do a micro business, that's it. You only get that one. You get nothing else. You can't increase you can't the size. Can make multiple micro businesses. You can't increase the size of your canopy for cultivation. So like you can't increase it from like five thousand to ten thousand. Right. And when it comes to wholesaling, so you're like stuck kind of. Oh, in a, in a certain way. Yeah. And when it comes to wholesaling, um, you can only get in up to like twenty five hundred pounds a year. You can't wholesale more than twenty five hundred pounds from like cultivators to like what? make edibles and stuff like that. And so, what also what's crazy is um, if you're a social equity certified micro business, you can apply for what's called a delivery endorsement, where you deliver only everything that you produce yourself. So. There's multiple delivery licenses. Wow. So, there's, so you can literally have like rolling relief like edibles and exactly. joints. And, and there's only one social equity certified micro business in the state right now. And they're the only ones with that delivery endorsement. Uh, they're called Freshly Baked down in Taunton, Mass. Big shout out to them. Shout out Freshly you know, Baked. Our, our future wholesalers. they got the, um, the edible gummy game on lock right now. Um, their co-founder, Philip Smith, was one of my classmates in the social equity program. Wow. I have a really great relationship with them. Um, I have, he's really, he was a real inspiration to me, and he still a lot of confidence in me when I was taking the classes. And he's just been a great friend and, you know, um, somewhat of a mentor, you yeah. know, so big shout-out to him. And it's crazy because if you're just a regular micro-business, you know, there's people like Gibby's Gardens down in um, Uxbridge and then River Run Gardens up in Newburyport. They're not social equity certified, so they can't run delivery because delivery is set aside for equity applicants. So they have to wait Yo, until so the exclusive... They have to wait until the exclusivity window is done and then they can apply for a delivery endorsement. What? Yeah, it's so crazy. and That's just crazy. Um, the only reason I know this is because I just eat, breathe, and sleep it. Yeah, I just read the regulations Yo, like so many times. You're speaking like yeah. a different language. Like, it is. It's a lot. But to I throw, like enjoy it. Like I'm like trying to take it all in. Somebody all in once is so much. You know, if yeah. any like community colleges want to hire me as a professor, I'm open to that. You know, you understand? I feel like there should be cannabis <laughs> community classes. You feel you me? Know. Like that's the next it step is. out here. And I think that would really drive up, you know, um, attendance at a lot of colleges because more people would have interest in that instead of studying classical music or philosophy. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like when I, honestly, when I was going to college, um, like I said, I started smoking young. I've always been into cannabis um, for medical reasons, for personal reasons, whatever. Um, 
I never knew it was an option. I never knew education on cannabis was an option. Um, I never knew it even for years when I was smoking. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I did not understand how deep it ran. And at points, I felt like guilty for enjoying cannabis, guilty for um, liking the community and feeling a part of the community and feeling like an advocate and then feeling like, okay, but I also have to work a regular job and I also have to pretend like I don't want to burn right when I get out of work. Like, I don't know. It's like this weird um, double side to it. And it just feels so great getting older and, and seeing the community around me change and the legalization and the rules and just the way people talk about it. Being able to sit down and have like an intellectual conversation with you right now about yeah. cannabis like <laughs> you don't get that every day no not everyone not. can even talk like this yeah, like no, you're educating me you're educating everyone listening I, in i can do it for hours you know yeah. i just love discussing can anything cannabis um if it has anything to do with it i'm gonna be throw interest in it so take example like cannabis accounting regular accounting but cannabis related all right <laughs> i gotta I gotta, I gotta learn this now because it's gonna be beneficial to me and that's not the yes. deal it's cannabis talking about cannabis even right. though it's not touch plant touching it still has to do with the industry and still right. because cannabis is still federal legal right mm -hmm. so there's a tax section code called 280e right so back in the 80s when Alder reagan was the president there was a cocaine trafficker down in the south and he tried to write off his drug dealings has business expenses. And so Ronald Reagan was like, no, 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 just say no. <laughs> so he enacted what is called tax section code 280E, which states if you are um, schedule one narcotic, you cannot write off any sales or regular business expenses. At that point in time, there was no cannabis dispensaries in existence in the country, you know, Gosh. but these laws are still in place. Cannabis is still a Schedule 1 narcotic, yeah. so cannabis businesses can't do normal tax write-offs that normal businesses can do, like payroll, business because trips, of that things like that. Because situation? of that cocaine situation? Tax section. So that's why you see a lot of people say, I don't want cannabis federally legalized, but I would really like it to be scheduled. So once they move it down from yeah. Schedule 1, you know, it's going to open up, it's going to be way more profitable for cannabis businesses because that 280E right. crushes a lot of people, you know. Wow. And so that's um, everywhere? Like, is that like oh, yeah, a that's federal? federal? That's federal. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I've never heard about all, that. I never knew about that. And so there's no point in time where it's like, oh, we're going to go back and do a provision and relook at that situation. That's like, what people are pushing for, you know. That makes that's absolutely what, no that's, sense. That's, that's like, what people ran on. When did you say Ronald election. Reagan, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's how many 80s, presidents have we had? The drug like, era. So that's why a lot of people were running on a cannabis platform to give people false hope. And then right. once they get into office, they, oh, there's other bigger issues at hand right now that I have mm -hmm. to think about. And then before you know it, their term's over. <laughs> right. So it's like, oh, well, in the past now. Now exactly. for the next, on to the next. Yeah. And yeah. then the next person is like, I'll do it. He didn't do it, but yeah. I got you. And yeah. then it's just a vicious cycle. Right. You know, but eventually the cycle has to end. Nothing goes on forever. Yeah. Look at us now. We can walk into a store and buy weed. Right. So it's only a matter of time. 100%. And also, you can't get your traditional bank loans because it's federally legal as well. So I can't get a small business loan. And so... A lot of small-time entrepreneurs that don't have these access to capital and the small net worth, you know, and they see them getting taken advantage of by predatory investors. You know, they say in Boston, the average net worth of the African-American family is $8. What? Yeah. That's a very common statistic that I've heard so many times. That is so fun. So one of the first 
rounds of fundraising, as they call it, the friends and family round. You go to your friends and family to hopefully get up some cash. <laughs> if you're all crapped in the same bucket and your net worth is $8 and your friends or family's net worth not that much, that's where you have to go to the sharks, you exactly. know, the shark tank people that will take advantage of you, you know, chew up and spit you out. So there's a lot you have to think about and a lot of precautions you have to take if you really want to keep control of your business and have a say in how it's ran. Right. A hundred percent. And that almost brings back to like the extortion of like, you know, if you want to open a dispensary in a city and they're going to be like, yeah, but if you give us all this under, you know, under the table, like you got to watch your back. You got to be careful. You got to know your shit. Be educated because it's like, imagine if someone comes and tries to bullshit you. Well, you actually know what you're talking about. So you could like put up your defense. But if yeah. you don't know what you're talking about, oh, yeah. you could easily get yeah. just fucked over. There's a lot you know of people what I mean? out there, you know, and it, and it just happens across the country, not just yeah. a Massachusetts thing. You know, yeah. you see it in all new states. Everyone is just trying to learn. Yeah. Anybody that calls themselves a cannabis expert is bullshitting you because right. it's still a lot to learn about this plant and a lot right. to happen in this industry. Still changing. There's nobody that's a master grower out there. If anybody calls himself a master <laughs> grower, they're also bullshitting you. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just a Padawan. Exactly. Okay? Relax. Everyone is, there's people who have skin in the game, but there's still everyone. Our education is going to be ongoing for a mm. while. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and you know, I actually, uh, had seen you put up a, a post about this and I kind of wanted to bring it up on the show and kind of have you talk about, how this even happened. I don't know if what, you know what I'm going to ask, um, but your little like brand endorsement or deal, whatever it is with Paul Pierce, question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, yes. My man, Paul. Oh, yes. It's actually, I forgot it's, it's about actu- that. It's actually his birthday today. Happy birthday hey, to my man, Paul Pierce. Out. It's true. 34. That's my guy. Happy birthday to you, bro. Shout out, Paul Pierce, yo. Um, I'm going to tag you on this. Hope you watch it. Yeah. So <laughs> obviously it is, it is stored everything, you know, yeah. so... Uh, there's a company based in Fitchburg that's called the Hubcraft Company. And so the Hubcraft Company does retail, product manufacturing, and cultivation. So they have a dispensary, they grow weed, they make edibles. Okay. And so um, the COO, Chief Operating Officer of the Hubcraft, her name is Noni Goldman. And Noni just so happened to be, before she, this is just new, she wasn't always in this role. Um, but, you know, it happened within the last... One or two years, I'm pretty sure. But it did not happen when I was taking the social equity program. So Noni was one of the original instructors for the social equity program. Her company called, I don't even remember what it's called, uh, Four Trees Holyoke. Four Trees Holyoke merged with the Hubcraft company now. Now they're just one Hubcraft. But, you know, she was just Four Trees Holyoke when she was teaching the equity program. Mm -hmm. And I was one of her students. And even prior to that, we spoke on an educational panel together. And uh, so we had some history. And so she reached out to me, I'd say about, this is back in July. She hit me up on Facebook. She was like, hey, Dev, I hope you've been well. I've seen everything you've been doing. I just wanted to catch in and catch up if you have some time. I'm like, yeah, of course, you know. Um, so we had a virtual meeting, and she told me her, her role with the Hubcraft Company and she told me that they have a bunch of license agreements with celebrities, and Paul Pierce is one of them. And so I'm a diehard Celtics fan. I bleed green. Um, hey. I was born in 93. Paul Pierce was drafted in 98. So I literally 
grew up watching Paul Pierce play for the Celtics. That's really all I knew. That was my version of Larry Bird. Mm -hmm. I used to, when I played basketball, I used to pretend I was Paul Pierce. You know? <laughs> and um, Paul Pierce stuck around with the Celtics through the good times and the bad times. Because before, the year before we won the championship, um, we were the worst team in the league. And he still stayed around. And he's... OG. He's, yeah, he's from Oakland. He grew up a Lakers fan. He plays for the Celtics. So it was pretty crazy, yep. I think. And so they were like, yeah, we have a license agreement with Paul Pierce. His product's called The Truth 34. Um, do you want to sign an LOI to take on his product and carry it in addition to the other celebrities? I was, I had to play it cool. I was like, yeah, you know, maybe. Like, yeah, no. Nah. But then I was like, <laughs> yes, 100%. Yes. Like, right. that's like one of my childhood idol. Before David Ortiz, before Tom Brady, there was Paul Pierce. You know, Paul Pierce was the original. And so Paul Pierce was just one of them. He was the one that I cared the most about. Um, in addition to Paul Pierce, not too many people know this, we're also going to be carrying Whoopi Goldberg's product, um, Gary Payton, Seattle Supersonics legend, and the original Rick Ross, Freeway Ricky Ross. We're going to be having all of their products on our menu once we become operational. But Paul Pierce is the only one I met so far. Um, they had a VIP party. I'm at sorry, you heard it here first, old soul young world. <laughs> <laughs> I met Paul Pierce at a VIP party uh, end of August at Yvonne's in downtown Boston. Okay. And it was cool because it was like a speakeasy type of setting. That's like dope. we walked in the restaurant, this woman walked to the back, went to a bookcase, pulled the book out and she started sliding. Stop and it. And they were like, right this way, sir. I was like, yeah, what's, about, like, the Whoa, what's about to happen right now? It's going down tonight. Yeah, no, it was an open bar, a lot of food around. And Paul walked down by himself. You know, I just walked up to him. I actually met him twice before at like autograph signings, but this is like right. the first time I can like yeah, talk yeah, to him and have him person. remember who I am. Facts. And I'm like, yeah, man, I tried to play cool. And I was like, yeah, bro, you're like my childhood idol. <laughs> he's, a wicked show, he's a wicked show guy. Yeah. He's down to earth. Um, <laughs> I've met celebrities before that are kind of douchebags, but Paul is really chill. Yeah. Really, like, we chopped it up for like 45 minutes. Wow. And he took my cards. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Talked about sports, talked about weed. Yeah. So, like... I, I feel was just, like, yeah, no, yo, I, was I don't really, even know what to yeah. say. I feel like you like somehow manifested that. No, I don't know. I did no, from your love of the Celtics to the love of weed in the combination. Before they before they approached me with the offer, I literally saw that they were going to partner with them, and I posted on you know um, Facebook. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to carry Paul Pierce's brand one day. Yeah. <laughs> Put it out to the universe. Yeah. And then she hit me up. Come on, once later, big, I was yo. like, damn. Yes, yes. <laughs> like all my friends hit me up because they're all super diehard like me. They all love Paul Pierce. Right, so like, right. What? Yo, man? I double took when I seen your yeah. picture on Instagram. I was like, is that Dev? Is that Dev? Yeah. Oh, shit, that's Dev. Mm. Um, which is just fire on top of everything else you're doing, all the amazing moves you're making. Um, it was kind of just like a cherry on top yeah. of the Cannabis Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> it was dope because even earlier that day, we were out in Worcester, visiting the first cookie store on the East Coast that's um, actually owned by my man, Ross Bradshaw. Hey! Ross, um, Worcester native, economic empowerment applicant. Dope. First on the whole East Coast, we were, we were sitting there uh, waiting in the huge line, and then Ross came out, saw us in line, and said, what are you, what are you doing out here, man? <laughs> Brought us to the front. Come on, yo! I was like, excuse me, excuse me. So that Pardon whole day, me, that move whole, out that the whole, way! That whole day, I was a little gassed up, and I was like, yeah, no, you don't have to say, oh, I'm going to meet Paul Pierce, you know, yeah, nothing too yeah, crazy. right, right. <laughs> Don't mind me, Dev yeah. Alexander, over here. <laughs> yeah, um, it just shows like all the work that I've put in and just yeah. being true to myself, being a good community member, 
not bashing anybody, not trying to throw dirt on anybody else's name, just mm-hmm. keeping tunnel vision and just staying to what I believe in. Starting to pay off, you know, just by now. And God only knows what will happen and where we are a year from now. So I just really just got to remember what got me here and stay true to myself. Exactly. Stay humble, grow. Um, And I think, you know, you just ended on a perfect note for everyone listening in. Um, It's all about just being consistent. You know, when the ups and downs come, flowing with them, going forward, moving forward, continuing guys no matter what anybody says about your dreams your hopes your goals whether it's a cannabis industry whether it's a podcast whether you're writing a book whether you're a musician artist whatever it is you're doing starting a small business just take the steps get educated do what you have to do put the time in um and you know manifest it put it into the universe as uh dev said (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. he's got to go after it yeah uh, i think what really keeps me going is if i stop now i'll always be left wondering what if and that will literally eat me up inside yeah until the day i'm no longer existing on this world so i've come too far to throw in the towel and you know if it doesn't happen next year or the year after i'm not gonna stop until it does <laughs> yo you guys did you hear that motivation like i can't even right now like i'm so amped i'm so happy for you um so pumped to even be in this you know realm of of your space of what you're doing moving forward like it's a blessing to have you on the show so in five years from now when you're blowing up i'm like yo you seen that five years ago i have on my podcast um <laughs> and i just want to again thank you for doing so much for you know the canvas community the black community um just putting yourself out there and and making changes and and giving back um and and growing something great around this area so again thank you cheers to you for coming on Cheers! thank you for having me (laughs) thank you very much everybody we're going to be having some amazing guests coming up um this next month and into november so stay tuned you're gonna see everything dropping more cannabis advocates um and a lot more so just stay tuned with me your host jesse ellie on old soul in a young world